0: Okay, we'll start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything that I think I know about you, God, the steps recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are at the turning point in... um, I think the disease of alcoholism. We're in Bill's story, which is a message of hope. It's a message of salvation. Uh, Not as you would think of it in the New Testament, but how you you can go from a hopeless condition of mind and body to a relationship with God, where you have a power over alcohol through him, and where you're not in conflict with everybody and everything and he carried the message, and he died in 1971, but where we're picking up is 1934. Um, uh, He wrote this story first, and uh, uh, when he was trying to get uh, funding, they were trying to get funding to do the book. And uh, every time I go through it, I learn more. I see it, it helps me relive my first step, it helps me relive the pain I was in when I came in it helps me look back and see that by putting myself in God's hands things turned out better than anything I could have planned and that was quite a few years ago and when it starts Bill's Sir, I just review a little bit Um, uh, we have some new people here Bill W was one of the founders of AA and um, he, um, he was from Vermont, he went into the war, he discovered alcohol and he, it was part of life and he discovered that and then when he was lonely he turned to alcohol, get the picture. And then he leaves the war, he was a hero and he saw himself as being a leader of, of vast enterprises. Bill had the same thing I had, he had a desire for approval a desire to feel okay from what other people thought of me. And so uh, I had that before I ever drank. And when you live like that, you're always uneasy. You always have fear. And when I drank, alcohol treated that. And he wanted to be a success, and he went to law school, and he had trouble staying sober. And he told his wife that drinking helped helped him produce the uh, the greatest majestic uh, thoughts. And uh, that was his excuse. But of course, he was an alcoholic and he didn't understand that he went to Wall Street. And he it said that he there was an alloy of drink and speculation on page uh, two, out of this alloy, I commenced to forge the weapon would one day turn in its flight like a boomerang and all become me to ribbons. So he had this idea that if he could be a success, and if he could, if he could get people's approval and, and get things, and then with alcohol and the speculation, it came back and you, you, you're gonna see where Bill is now. And this was in uh, 1918, and when we're gonna pick up, it's 1934. And um, he uh, made a lot of money in the market and he was f- feeling great, but he his drinking got worse, and it was, um, it, he was drinking all the time. He had lost, uh, he was powerless over alcohol, he couldn't control how much he drank, and he couldn't choose not to drink. And then um, on page five it says, liquor, liquor ceased to be a luxury, it became a necessity. This is after the market crashed, he had been made all these paper millions and then it crashed and um, uh, he was dying and uh, he couldn't eat he had to drink uh, uh, he said he had to drink half a dozen bottles of beer before he could eat but here's the thing that made Bill a real alcoholic he said nevertheless on page five I still thought I could control the situation And there were periods of sobriety which renewed my wife's hope. Now, he was still thinking that he had a plan, that he had a plan that he would be able to control his drinking or stop drinking. And of course, uh, that didn't work. And then he said on page five, I woke up, this had to be stopped. He saw I could not take as much as one drink. And this is where he made the promise to his wife and he wrote in the Bible, the family Bible, that he was done and the Bible's in Stepping Stones. And uh, when Lois saw that he, uh, he was writing in the Bible, she said, this is great, this is really serious, he's done. And then of course, it said, uh, shortly afterwards I came home drunk. Can have you relate to that? This resolve, this solemn oath, but not being able to live sober without taking the first drink. And then he said, Re- renewing my resolve I tried again on page 5. And then he said uh, on page 6, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. Anybody relate to that? The courage to do battle was not there. Now, you're not relating to Bill as a man or a woman or as a stockbroker or when he lived. It's It's his relationship to alcohol, his relationship to life, his relationship to God and he uh, he said the courage to do battle was not there. And then it says at the bottom of that page, he went on for two more years like this, couldn't stop drinking, could barely eat. Um, And um, on page seven, it says that he went to the hospital, his brother in law was a doctor. And uh, he went to the hospital in town's hospital where he met Dr. Silkworth, who wrote doctor's opinion. Dr. Silkworth is the one who told who told us what our problem is. Before that, nobody really understood us. We were just crazy people. Uh, we would keep doing something we didn't want to do. And we knew it was harmful to us, and we kept doing it anyway. Anybody do that? Anybody not? So he met the doctor, Dr. Silkworth, it says on page seven, I've been seriously ill bodily and mentally. And he explained what was wrong with him. And he says, it relieved me to learn that in alcohol, the will is amazingly weakened. Now, why won't willpower work? Everybody in here looks pretty smart. Any smart people in here? Yes, good. And smart people don't do something that they know is bad for them, right? And so willpower will work. So why won't willpower keep me from drinking? Because right before I drink, I can't think about what it's gonna do to me, only for me. Because I'm drinking for the effect. In fact, uh, alcoholics and addicts feel better on the way to the liquor store. And they feel better when they're getting their meds. Because they know the relief is coming. And it's a relief from living sober without God, and being full of fear and anger, and shame and guilt. And so he understood himself, he says on page seven, and he knew what the answer was, self knowledge, he knew it. And he says, but it wasn't because he drank again. And then he ends up in the hospital and the doctors telling his wife that he's there's no hope for Bill. This is 1934. There's no AA. Right? There's no big book. Nobody understood our disease. And uh, he felt, he felt, he says, I thought so well of myself, isn't that true? And my abilities, we all do. And of my capacity to surmount obstacles, but I was cornered at last. That's the way I felt at the end. I mean, um, I was against something I could not lick. I became completely defeated. And here on page eight is where Bill Wilson describes the first step people always want to know what hitting bottom is. Hitting bottom is not circumstances. It's not getting a DUI or the wife leaving you or getting fired. Hitting bottom is when you can no longer deny the truth of your situation. And you can see the truth about it. Now we read tonight and how it works at every meeting. There are those who cannot and will not completely give themselves to the simple program. Right? now why can't they give themselves why can they not do it because they're constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves i heard that for years i never understood what it meant to me it means that they could not see the truth of their situation that they are completely powerless over alcohol and they cannot manage their lives and they're completely defeated by alcohol not not the surrender complete defeat complete defeat where I'm surrounded and I couldn't get out. Now I was surrounded and couldn't get out a long time before I realized and completely gave up on that afternoon at 2.30 when I got down on my knees and I asked God to help me. And I don't know why, I could just see the truth and I gave up and that was the beginning of uh, my recovery. And I asked God to help me, I got on my knees and. I'm looking at Mark, uh, January 2nd, right? January 1st, right, Mark? And so here's what he said No words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self pity, swamp of self pity. Can you see it? I'm in a swamp of it, feeling sorry for myself. And in this swamp, quicksand stretched around me in all directions. So he. He didn't volunteer and say, you know, I think I'm gonna quit drinking today. No, he was was in a bitter swamp of self-pity. He was surrounded by quicksand. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed, alcohol was my master. And so he was, at that point, he was able to see the truth. Now, Bill didn't have anybody to help him But God was going to work through Bill so that we're here today and we're going to read about how how that happened. God had a plan for this man. And he says, Trembling, I stopped from the hospital a broken man. Fear sobered me for a bit. It does. But then came the insidious insanity of the first drink. Insidious insanity of the first drink. Anybody do that? Anybody not? Of course we did it." And remember, we have a whole chapter to hear more about alcoholism, to hammer home the first step that we will never be able to have the power of choice over alcohol. I will never have a defense against alcohol without God, because I will get this queer mental twist that will tell me that it's okay to drink, even when I know it's not. And once I get that queer mental twist, no, nothing can surplant that, and then you go and you drink and you use. Has anybody experienced that? And, and the only treatment for that is God. And they're going to hammer that home. When we get to there's a solution, it says at certain times, the alcoholic has no defense against the first drink. We cannot bring into consciousness and awareness the humiliation and defeat of even a moment ago. We are out-defense against alcohol. And that's sober. We're not talking about after you drink. So, everyone, became resigned. We're on page eight. That certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere or stumble along to the miserable end. So, here it is. Now, here's where things are going to change for Bill W. And this wasn't anything that he did on his own. God is going to make a move. And he's going to make a move to change Bill's life. And then remember, Bill went to Bob, and Bob went to A, number three, and we're here today. So it says, how dark it is before the dawn. He was in that dark place. But in reality, that was the beginning of my last debauch. Debauch isn't good, by the way. Uh, Don't try it. I was soon to be catapulted, notice the words, catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. Bill didn't do a step a month. He was catapulted into the fourth dimension of existence by God. And the fourth dimension of existence is where God is the center of the world, and I'm playing the role he assigns, and I work for him, and he'll give me everything I need, right? And that's what it says in the, on page 63. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. And that's been true for me. I just wanted peace. My whole life, I just wanted to feel okay. And now I can be okay. And it's not dependent on anything out there. It's just my relationship with God. And... Near the end of that bleak November, I think it was November uh, the third week in November of 1934, he's drinking in his kitchen with a certain satisfaction and that's pretty sad. He reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. He was felt okay because he had enough booze. The one thing we don't want to do is run out of booze or drugs, right? Now, remember the warning label that they wanted, AA said you should put on alcohol. They asked, remember they went to Congress in 1953 and they were having a hearing on what they should put as a warning label on uh, alcohol. And they called New York and AA sent a representative and they said, you know, we have no opinion on anything, but we do recommend that you put on the label, this bottle will run out. Nobody's laughing. Nobody got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, I, I thought it was funny. All right. Uh, there are new people here, let's behave. Uh, I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. His wife was at work, now notice she's working he hasn't worked for years now. They're living in a little apartment. They had no money. And it was, it was uh, during the Depression. Things were really bad in this country. A lot of people were out of work. 30% of Americans were out of work or more. They had a, uh, over half the banks went out and people lost all their money. I wondered whether I dared hide a full bottle of gin near the head of the bed. Hmm. I would need it by daylight. So you see, he's telling you, he has no choice, no control, he's hopeless. And he realizes it. My musing was interrupted by the telephone. So here the telephone comes, and a cheery voice of an old school friend asked if he might come over. And in squiggly writing, he says he was sober. Now he had known this man a long time, but he never knew him sober. It was years since I could remember coming out New York in that condition. This was a man that he knew during the summers when he was a young man and he was in Vermont and he would go to this lake and uh, he lived in Vermont. This man was from uh, New York and they had a summer home there in Vermont. And his name was Ebby Thatcher. It doesn't really say that in in the story. I was amazed. Rumor had it that he'd been committed for alcohol insanity. Now, what happened to Ebby was Ebby uh, was sent to the Vermont House by his family. He couldn't live at home anymore. He was too dangerous, and he couldn't stop drinking. And Ebby was the son of a very well-to-do family. Uh, father was in politics. Um, and Ebby had driven a car into someone's living room. And then he asked for a cup of coffee. So that wasn't, that wasn't really good. And then he, he tried to paint his house and he kept shooting the shotgun off into the neighborhood and they arrested him and they were gonna put him in an asylum. And uh, Rowan Hazard was from a very wealthy Providence family. And he had gone to see Dr. Carl Jung in 1932 because he couldn't stop drinking. And we're going to read about that, and there's the solution. And Dr. Young was one of the three most preeminent uh, psychiatrists in the world. And he uh, he worked with Roland for a year, and Roland thought he understood his mind so well that drinking was out of the question. And, you know, there's legends but that he drank after three days, he never left. Switzerland. But he came back to see Dr. Young and Dr. Young said, I didn't realize you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I've never seen anybody recover. So Roland says, you mean never? No. He says, the only thing I've seen and heard about is this phenomenon where people have a whole rearrangement of their ideas and attitudes towards life. Something happens. There's a complete psychic change, a change of their personality. And what he was." trying to describe was going from completely self-centered to God-centered and remember in the doctor's opinion which we read last week or so the doctor said uh, there's no we're doomed unless we have a psychic change he understood that something but he didn't know how to produce it the doctor Dr. Silkworth. So uh, Roland Hazard went back to the Oxford groups in New York and uh, he worked their steps and then um, he got sober. And his friend, Stu, what's the name again? Seabrook Graves. Seabrook Graves. His father was the judge who was gonna put Ebby in prison. And they knew Ebby from the summers. So they went up there and they and they asked the judge if they could take Ebby and the judge said yes, as long as you take him out of the state. So they took him to the Calvary Church in New York where Reverend Shoemaker was the, uh, the uh, minister and where the Oxford group and Ebby went there and he was there 60 days and he worked the steps. They had six steps and the Oxford group, for those who don't know, was a group of Christian men who wanted to grow in the image and likeness of Christ. They wanted to grow in sanctification and they had these six steps so that they could go from our self-centered to God-centered and try to live as better people. And so, Ebby went and after 60 days, they said, you have to witness, that was their, their last step. You have to witness to somebody, you have to witness the power of God, how he's changed your life. So Ebby didn't want to do it at first, they said, you have to do it. So he thought of Bill W. because he knew Bill would be a mess. Wonder how he knew that. And so he decided to go see Bill W. So he writes here, I wondered how he had escaped. Of course he would have dinner and then I could drink openly with him. Unmindful of his welfare, does that sound like an alcoholic? I thought only of himself, of recapturing the spirit of other days. It was a time we had chartered an airplane to complete a jag. Uh, his coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of futility. That was his life, a dreary desert of futility. And he saw this as an oasis of a change, something was happening. Uh, it was exciting to him in a, in a really sad way. And drinkers are like that. The door opened and he stood there. If you've ever seen the movie, My Name is Bill W., they have the scene where uh, um, uh, uh, Gary, Sinise. Gary Sinise was heavy, thatcher, and uh, Woods, what was his first name? James Wood played Bill W, and they show Abby standing at the door, and there was some sparkle in his eyes, and he walks into the room. It's really a powerful scene. The door opened, and he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes; he was inexplicably different. What had happened? I don't know. People might have seen that in me, but I've seen it in, through the years. and what the fifteen years I've been doing this meeting, I've seen people come and go, but I see him come back. And when they come back, you can see something different. Something's changed, and then they, they make it. And so there was something that changed. He was inexplicably different when it happened. I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious. I wondered what had gotten into the fellow. fellow. He wasn't himself. Well, that's true. He had changed. He wasn't the same person he was. Now, Ebby didn't stay sober the rest of his life, but God used him. Remember, God uses people to carry the message, and he carries the message to people, and he used Ebby for this brief period of time to help Bill Wilson. Bill Wilson always said Ebby was his sponsor. But Ebby lived a long time, and he had periods of sobriety. Um, Disappointed but curious, I wonder what, he wasn't himself, I wrote he was reborn come. What's all this about? I queried. He looked straight at me simply but smilingly. He said, I've got religion. Now religion, I looked it up. is a belief in worship of God, a belief in a power that gives internal uh, calmness to a human being. I think that's what I wrote. I can't read my writing anymore. I had this book a long time. I was a gas, so that was it. Last summer, an alcohol crockpot. Now I suspected a little cracked about religion. He had that starry-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire, all right. But bless his heart, let him rant. Now Bill's Bill's dying, of course, right? But he's not interested in anything. Ebby wants to tell. Besides, my gin would last longer than his preaching. But he did no ranting. Remember, we're not supposed to rant. We're supposed to share our experience. In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court, we talked about that, persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That's all it is, a simple religious idea. God is God and I'm not God, and God has the power to relieve me from the bondage of self, right? and the practical program of action to achieve that. That was two months ago, and the result was self-evident at work. Now, we're supposed to be the witness to people who are new. We're supposed to be a witness to them that something's happened to us, and if you want what we have, you tell them what we did. And, that, and he, it says... Um, he had come to pass this experience along to, with me, if I cared to have it. I was shocked but interested. Certainly I was interested, I had to be, for I was hopeless. So Bill, Bill knew he was hopeless and he, somebody had, was offering him help. He talked for hours, childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as I sat on still Sundays way over there on the hillside. There was that proffered temperance pledge I never signed. My grandfather's good natured contempt of some church folk and their doings. His insistence that the spheres really had their music, but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen. So his grandfather had some old ideas. I wrote old ideas for all that. His fearless as he spoke of these things just before he died. These recollections welled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. That wartime day in old Western Cathedral came back where he stood at the grave of, uh, uh, his name was Thatcher, and somebody sent me a picture of it. John sent me a picture of it, of the uh, grave at Winchester Cathedral where Bill saw it at the war. He said, this man didn't die by a musket, but died of pot, beer. And Bill had a spiritual experience then. He didn't understand it, but that didn't last for him. I'd always believed in a power greater than myself. I'd often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Now, wrote, he wrote, I'd always believed in a power greater than myself, but remember, belief won't do us any good. We have to have reliance on God. Now we start with belief in AA because we've never allowed God to work in our lives. We've always run the show. And that's what the We Agnostics is about. We had no knowledge of God's power in our life. We could believe in God and pray to God, but we never allowed him to work. Why? Because I was running the show. He was not an atheist, few people really are, for that means blind faith in the strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists, suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? And I think if you're human beings see that. In Romans it's described how God reveals himself in nature to all, all human beings. So we know that there is a power. I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation, but that was as far as I would go. He was still relying on self his whole life, you see. How'd that work for Bill? He's sitting in the kitchen, he can't stop drinking. With ministers in the world's religion, I parted right there. When they talked of a God personal in me, who was love, superhuman strength, and direction, he became irritated. Isn't that something? I've seen that. A lot of people tell me they don't like this meeting. I talk about God too much. I said, "Well, that's okay. You know, uh, don't come back if you don't want to. But uh, see, see if you can change your mind about God." And. Um, I became irritated my mind snapped shut against such a theory why because we don't want to be accountable to God we don't have to we don't don't want to be accountable to God so we want to just act like he doesn't exist Mm -hmm. and you know the other thing is why why alcoholics get upset when you mention God because they don't want to give up management they don't want to give up managing the world And um, here's a great line, I love this. To Christ he conceded the certainty of a great man. Wasn't that nice of him? Pretty good. Not too closely followed by those who claimed him. His moral teaching most excellent. For myself I'd adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. And a lot of people look at the program, there's 12 steps like this. I adopt those parts which seem convenient and not too difficult, and the rest I disregarded. I'm going to just read uh, a little bit more, because I don't want to get to the point where Bill, uh, we have to read another page or two where Bill completely gives up on the idea of self-sufficiency. The wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether, in balance, the religions of mankind had done any good. He's talking about human power here. Judging from what I'd seen in Europe and since, the power of God in human affairs was negligible. You hear people argue about that all the time. The brotherhood of man, a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. But here's the deal. He's saying all this to himself, but my friend sat right before me and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. See, we are the testimony of God working in our lives. I don't take credit for it. We've we've done the work to allow God to work in our lives, and the result, we show somebody else the result. He couldn't argue with the result. He couldn't argue with be sinning. And AA doesn't say we have the only way to get sober or find God, they don't say that. But they say, if you don't have a plan, and if you're powerless over alcohol and you can't manage your own life, try this plan and see what happens. And so this book is their testimony of what they did and how they had recovered from a homeless condition of mind and body. Now, right here, uh, Abby's gonna talk to him, Bill's dying, and we're gonna pick this up on Saturday, and we're gonna see where Uh, things really changed very powerful words we're going to read on Saturday so if you can come that would be great I think I'll stop there I hope this was helpful and we'll open it up thank you (coughs)